Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today I'm going to tell Montana about the Alabama, well, this was one title anyway, the Alabama State Training School for Girls. Oh, I thought it was a boarding school. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, loose terms. Um, but first, Montana, what are we drinking? Um, we are on our third episode of the day, so. <laughs> so it's whatever we got in the fridge. <laughs> it's a pick your poison because we're tired. Uh, we've recorded two other episodes already, and this is our third one. So pick whatever. Oddly, we'll be released really second out of the three. Yeah. It works out. It's a weird schedule. It's been a weird schedule. Uh, <laughs> we we saved the worst, best, question mark, for last. I don't know. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it's been a long day. All it's of that to say, um, I'm drinking um, a Truly, and I think you're drinking wine? I'm drinking a uh, wine mix, basically a sangria. So it's like a couple of different wines that we found. We dumped into a pitcher with some juice and Sprite Zero and had at it. So that sounds tasty. It's quite tasty, actually. Not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, it's needed for this. Yeah. So, um, are you ready to hear about the? Uh, I should say the abandoned, by the way, because it is closed. Um, girls' school in Chalkville. I mean, I don't know because from I tried very hard not to look this up, and I didn't. Um, Look it up because typically if you tell me what your case is, I'm going to look it up to kind of get just an overview of what it is, especially if I'm going to do a drink pairing. Uh, But you told me this one was bad. Like, it's pretty bad. Real bad. So I was like, I don't, my mental health. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of that, we're going to do a blanket warning for the episode. Um, This episode has stories, some of them firsthand, of assault and rape. This episode will have a good dose of history first, so feel free to listen to that and then cut out once the story's part starts. We're not going to blame you if you're not ready or if you have no desire to listen to those stories. However, and I love the dog barking in the background. I was going to say, it's going to have a good bit of Oakley barking in the background. Probably, because she's (laughs) annoying as I'll get out. Um, However, it's important to discuss these stories because these things really happened and the only way to make them stop in the future is to talk about what happened in the past. Ignoring the issues and refusing to acknowledge the treatment of many of these girls simply allows it to continue elsewhere. Thankfully, this school is closed and abandoned, but it took far too long for that to happen. And there are other schools still currently open that are still having these things happen. So in order to bring awareness to these issues, we have to talk about them. Well, it it reminds me of um, I'm a huge fan of Paris Hilton, like. I I know it's really weird. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect me to be. I wouldn't. Well, you, you wouldn't expect me to be a fan of Paris Hilton, and I mean, you if you knew me in real life, listeners, you wouldn't expect me to be a fan of Twilight and True. read it and watch it as much as I do. Again, but she's been through a lot too, and I and I know there's been a lot of stuff released too that she's so, yeah. So she was in a she was in a boarding school, and it was uh she was abused. I mean, very abused and everybody there was abused and now she's like an advocate to not only like change you know like 
the boarding school systems and things like that, but she's an advocate for a lot of other things that are making positive change, especially in uh, government and things like that. And so like I follow her TikTok and you know, half of it cause she DJs too. Um, half of it is like her DJing and then like in like modeling her lines and stuff like that. And the other half is like the advocacy work that she does. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And, like, I'm all about Eat the Rich. At the end of the day, Eat the Rich. Uh, fuck it. But the work she's doing, like, I'm I'm fucking here for it. She's she's doing the damn thing. So when you talk about, like, mistreatment in boarding schools, it automatically, all I'm thinking about is Paris Hilton the whole time. Fair enough. Um, I will say I'm going to talk about the history. And before I even get into it, I'm, go- I'm just going to be open and honest. I think that this originally came from an idea that was wholesome and it was an idea where they wanted to genuinely do what was right for these girls. And as is the case, typically, unfortunately, you give you in these situations, you open the door for people who are not in it for the right reasons to act in a way that is taking advantage of those that they can and putting people in power that shouldn't be where they can take advantage of people who don't have the power in any way that they deem necessary or that they want. So I think that's kind of the direction that this ended up going in. I don't think that was the initial idea, but it's close for a reason and I'll get into that. So let's go ahead and start on the history. The actual school that I'm referencing was built in 1938 in Chalkville, Alabama, and it was known as the Alabama State Training School for Girls, though it did change names, and it's it remained a states-run school, essentially, um, but it changed names a lot, and I think that was to try to kind of hide some of the stories that were told about it. When um, you say training school, is it like... Uh, is it like a this is the school for wayward girls essentially oh okay this is not a boarding school where people sent girls to just like learn i it event i'll get to it but it originally was started as that like more of like a training up school for girls of learning all the ways of how they're supposed to be the right wives and yeah that's what i was thinking that's the original idea that's not the direction it went in it's a very southern thing too like a debutante school and things like that but that again paris hilton the boarding school she went to was for like wayward kids yeah it's anyway i'll get into it um it was founded in 1899 if you notice there's a gap in those years because the school i'm talking about was built in 1938 so it originally was founded in 1899 in a different location in the West End neighborhood of Birmingham and was originally known as the home of for the friendless. In 1909, funds were appropriated through the state legislator, allowing for the purchase of a a large two-frame house with double porches in Eastlake. The matron of the facility, Ophelia Amai, I think is how you pronounce it, had 25 years of experience dealing with delinquent girls at the State Institution of Illinois before taking her post at Eastlake. So they were going to turn these girls into ladies, basically. Well, good luck if I was one of those, because (laughs) it didn't fucking work. Uh, And I love an Alabama Ophelia. Um, Do you know Mama Tot on TikTok? Yeah. She's Ophelia from Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, I know. So sweet. 
So sweet. <laughs> this, I don't feel like was quite the same lady, but she, I think she not. was genuinely trying. She genuinely w- had a good idea and, and a good heart, I think, just based on the limited information I have. I could be completely wrong. I didn't know her personally, and she's been long gone. So, in any school that like tries to teach, this is what uh, it, I would have been burned at the stake. But if I had been born, born back then and they had sent me to a school to become a lady, like, I would have raged against the machine. Like, just, I, it, it's a, in my, in my thought process, it's like, they're, they're training you to be sexualized by your partner or like you're a sexualized person just to get, like, the only reason you're doing it is so that men will marry you. That's it. At the end of the day. What do you bring to the table? Yeah, exactly. Can you walk in heels? Can you walk straight? Can you dance? Are you pretty in a dress? Do you know how to do your hair? Can you do your makeup? Like it's who fucking cares? Here's the thing that they don't talk about though. Those women typically ran the household. They did all the bookkeeping in the household. I, uh, uh, I, that's a lot of math and a lot of doing things of making your income that you bring to the table, which is all you bring to the table work to run that entire household if you think that woman could not do that job without you you have another thing coming yeah that's true hate to break it to you it just uh, schools like that and things like that especially when it comes to like debutante balls and stuff like that it it pisses me off because i'm just like another time i know it's another time it's another the other thing is oh i haven't even started getting into the stuff that's going to piss you off i'm so sorry let's, let's keep moving <laughs> according to abandonedalabama.com and a lot of the stuff that i got from them uh, a lot of the stuff in this episode is from them because they had such a good summary of everything so a lot of the other web again this is a case where this is the website i started in because i like that website they have a lot of good information on abandoned places um, I got information on that website for the Jemison Center, which was in our asylum episode. I got information about um, one of the hauntings that I covered too from there. It's just it's a play, it's a website for people that they actually get permission to go to these abandoned sites, and then they do the history and they do a good job of getting everything together. So if you're interested in ab- abandoned buildings in Alabama. That is the site to go to. They have a lot of fascinating information about everything. So a lot of what I got was from them just because it was a good summary of everything because a lot of the other websites just basically repeated everything that they said. So I think they were like a good central location to get all the information. I'm curious. Where did you, how did you learn about this website? (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me in trouble. Montana. All right. So. Um, per their website, the girls were taught dairying, vine and berry culture, flower growing, chicken raising, and quote, domestic science, cooking, cleaning, and sewing. The small institution was modeled after the Mercy Home Industrial School for Girls operated by the Women's Christian Temperance Union. And I think that might have been where the lady was from in Illinois. The home was organized, quote, organized for the purpose of providing a home for helpless and dependent women and children of Alabama and also an industrial school for white girls in Alabama, end quote. Oh, so um, black girls weren't allowed. Uh, Obviously not. Yeah. Uh, well, originally, maybe. Yeah. I, I have no idea if they were allowed after. Um, also, just like – 
what? Just what? The way that they phrase these things. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Yeah, like, it's just I guarantee gross. most of this stuff was taken from like pamphlets, pamphlets for the school. Um, Amide's plans for the institution were to eventually have and operate a large farm similar to that of Bedform Bedform Reformatory in New York. I don't know why that word is so hard. Now a correctional facility for women. Surprise, not so much. The state training school for girls expanded to include four cottages to accommodate up to 25 girls each, a chapel and outhouses for laundry, cooking, and etc. The main house was used for school and dining purposes. The rules strictly regulated the women's lives, including their dress, church involvement, bedtimes, and contact with the outside world. Not surprising. Many of the girls admitted to the school were regarded as, quote, feeble-minded, Daughters of farmers who drifted into the city for work or immoral purposes. Many were illiterate and were simply seen as prophets by their parents. Never remembering a mother's caress in, is in quotes. All the girls were between the ages of 9 and 18 and were kept at the school for at least two years. This is what we've been talking about for the past two years especially after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And it's everything in our history has been about controlling other people and specifically controlling women. And that's exactly what this is. Yes. That's exactly what this is. And it, oh my God, it pisses me off so much. Yeah. We're just getting started. (sighs) The institution burned to the ground in 1922 and was moved to Chalkville, which was 15 miles outside of Birmingham and was built on the former country estate of General Lewis V. Clark. Clark developed the Clark Building in 1908, which is still there in Birmingham, and the Lyric Theater, which is also still there, an office building in 1914. The Lyric was actually recently renovated. The school actually had a clock in the administration building that had been taken from the old Jefferson County Courthouse when it was torn down in 1937, which is kind of cool. It's no longer there. I'll get to it. Per AbandonedAlabama.com again... In 1912, construction, com- construction completed on Clark's summer country estate near Chalkville, Alabama, which he named, and I'm going to try to do this, but it's a Japanese name, Mats- Matsuya- uh, Matsuyama, after the Japanese castle of the same name, one of 12 Japanese castles to still have its original Tenshu. The buildings took inspiration from the Waiyu Kenchiku Japanese-style architecture, and featured authentic Japanese furniture. The grounds were decorated with trees, shrubs, and flowers from Japan. He served in the military. Obviously, he spent some time in Japan. Okay, because I was going to be like, um, why? He just really liked the the architecture. and The aesthetics. He, yeah, and so he designed his estate to look similar to what he appreciated. Okay. My, which is Very odd, needless to say, in Alabama in 1912. And he was a little eccentric for doing that. It's It would be weird today, but like... Back then, yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially with that time. It was the early 1900s? Yeah, 1912. Not exactly. when it was completed. Okay. Matsuyama was regarded as, quote, one of the most charming country estates around Birmingham, end quote. 
I, I kind of look at this and I liken it to the idea that Birmingham is a melting pot. And it just kind of further proves that, that we, Birmingham has a lot of rich history. Some of it is extremely bad, but the reason why to some extent is because of the diversity. It's forced a lot of issues in Birmingham that other cities haven't ever dealt with. Yeah, true. They should, but they didn't have a choice because of the diversity. And you have a person like this who, let's be honest, is a white person appropriating another culture. But he also obviously loved what he saw when he was there. And I think he was trying to do it justice by showing it because he appreciated it. I don't think he was doing it in a negative way. Yeah. He just appreciated it. And I, I can I can definitely see that. Um, cultural appropriation has gotten really bad in the recent years. Um, I have recently been in arguments with a certain somebody close in my life because they wanted to wear a, um, what was it? It was a Jamaican, they're going to gay pride, right? As a white person. And they wanted to wear a Jamaican gay costume to pride. And I said, okay. Just well, first of all, costume. I don't I don't know that you should really do that. In um, first off, yeah, a bad idea. And I said, and they're going to listen to this, and that's fine. Um, but I was like, first off, just because you're a part of a minority group does not give you the privilege or the right to culturally appropriate from another culture. Like, that's rude. Don't do that. Um, it just it shows support and appreciation. Yeah, it's. Ha- I don't know that it's happening more and more today. I think it's people are more aware that it is occurring, and so something like that, especially a rich white guy who is appropriating like an entire culture to create a weird school for women. No, no, no. That's he did not do it to create a school. This was his oh. estate. Oh. They bought it okay. later. So, so it's like nothing to do with the school at this was, point. Okay. I'm just talking about the history of what how his estate looks. Because all of these, most of his buildings stood when the school bought it. They didn't demolish them. They left them there. Gotcha. So he was like appreciating the art of the culture and things right. like that. Right. Yeah, and he was just building his own estate. Yeah. And he was just doing what he wanted to do with his, his land. I mean, as long as he got the art and the things from that culture, I don't think it's appropriation. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. How how would I know? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just feel like he would. You can still do things wrong, but not from the heart of doing them wrong. You can have the best of intentions and still do something wrong. Yeah. True. It doesn't it doesn't exempt you from the fact that it is wrong. Um, but. At the same time, people are more willing to be gracious about it when you're not doing it from a, a, a bad place. So and I think that from everything I read, I don't think he did it from a bad place. He just had a lot of travels in the military and he just wanted to bring that home. Yeah, so, it's, it's one thing to appreciate it. But, it, but it's, it's a very different time, too, that you're talking yeah. over 100 years ago. So yeah, for sure. And especially if and, if, and I can guarantee people in Alabama had never seen anything like this at that time. Oh, so probably not. That's they're, not something that <laughs> they would have even known what to do with. They're used to just walking into China too and just, you know. That singer. definitely wasn't a thing either. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so anyway, 
Enough of that. A tea party hosted by General Clark's daughter, Augusta Carlisle Clark Noland, was described in the Birmingham News as an interesting tea service arranged on a characteristic Japanese table and tea wagon adorned with bowls of yellow garden flowers that looked as if they might have been imported from faraway Japan. So it sounds like he, he was very much trying to do justice to their culture. And he even involved his daughter in it. So it it came from a good place is all I'm saying. The country estate was sold to the state of Alabama for $25,000 in 1918. I did not do the conversion because I forgot. $25,000 in In 1918. So while you do that, I'm going to read the next statement. Okay. Some of the old buildings on the land were refurbished and reused as the superintendent's office and the matron's home for school purposes. These buildings kept the easily identifiable Japanese-style architecture while integrating a log cabin design using locally harvested wood. The school building was briefly known as Matsuyama after its opening. A lake was dug and several hundred fruit and nut trees and grapevines were planted. Plans were made to make the school as self-sustaining as possible. Where have we heard that? Oh, uh, it would be the mental institutions. Um, So... $25,000 in 1918 is equivalent to $502,000 today. Not bad. I feel like it should be more. That's low. Yeah, that's low. Um, Considering. I feel like that property would go for a lot more. With buildings already there that they were able to use. Yeah, I would think that that would be more. But Hmm. maybe he was being nice. Okay. Good on him. Or his family was. I don't think he was still around. So in 1938, the institution was expanded to include new cottages, a swimming pool, a church, an administration building that housed the clinic and the hospital. That was the building I referenced earlier with the clock from the courthouse. This was able to happen due to Roosevelt's New Deal, thanks to the Civil Works Administration granting $17,500 in materials and $60,000 for labor. The work was done by the Works Progress Administration. The stone that was used was taken from the near from a nearby quarry and supplied by the Civilian Conservation Corps. At the time, the school was considered the most modern school of its type in the country. It boasted facilities for 125 girls and school personnel. The estimated final cost of the school construction was $197,372, most of which was provided by the federal government. So that would have been $197,000 in 1938, 39. 170? 197,372. And most of which was, uh, 1938, 1939, somewhere around there. Okay. Why did it change to $375? What? No. Uh, 100. <laughs> Um, the other thing to take into consideration, this also provided a lot of jobs that were desperately needed at this time. So it wasn't just the material and the labor that it provided, uh, the money wise, but it also provided work for local people that desperately needed it. Okay. Uh, why is this so hard to find? Okay. Well, it just rounded up. It's saying that the calculated value of two, no, that's saying 20,000. Get out of here. Just give me. Is there not a time <laughs> money converter? What is happening on the internet? I don't know. Um, 
Did we break you? I'm sorry. Time, money, converter. All right. Uh, here we go. Just let me type in some numbers. Of course you're not. You're a fucking <laughs> dot .gov place. All right. Uh, 1939. 197,000. 197. Three zeros. Let's go. Calculate. Four million, basically $4.3 million. 197? Holy cow. 197,000 is 4. Okay. Million. That makes more sense than the 500,000 that he got. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> for that sure. That, yeah. Well, and it also changed I think uh well, that's 20 years later. And yeah. 1938 would have been during the Great Depression or around yeah. that area. So, it would have inflated it quite for, drastically. Yeah, for sure. Uh yeah. It's it's right under 4.3. It's 4 uh that, that 4 million that, Sounds about justifiable in today's dollars. That makes sense, honestly. Yeah. So as far back as the 1940s, the school had reoccurring issues reported by both staff and the girls forced to stay at the school. And I say forced for a reason. In 1949, an investigation was ordered in regard to the conditions at the school as reports of the deplorable treatment of the inmates, because that's what they were, let's be honest, were enough to gain the attention of the Birmingham Federation of Labor. The inmates received very little training, awful food, and recreational facilities were poor to say the least, but that's the, de- that's the description given. Inmates were often locked in their rooms and hair would be cut short as punishment, according to Mary Fowler, the superintendent at the time. At least, that's all she would admit to. There were escape attempts often, as the girls obviously wanted to get out. In December of 1951, eight girls broke out of the school detention hall by smashing the bars off a window. Of the eight, two were caught before they were even able to vacate the premises. One of them had cut her hand on the broken glass of the window. Of course, the statements the girls made regarding the mistreatment were dismissed as unrest and trouble caused by, quote, borderline mental cases, end quote, and that those that suffered from it and caused the issues should be sent to Bryce Hospital. For those of you who don't know anything about that hospital, see our asylum episode, which I review the Jemison Center, the adjoining building that housed the people of color deemed to have mental issues in that area. Bryce is a part of that, right? Yeah. Bryce was the main hospital. The Jemison Center was the offshoot for those of color. And it's just like, can you just listen to your kids? That's I don't have kids. I can't say what I would do or what I wouldn't do. But I'd probably listen to my kids if they told me that they were being abused or mistreated by somebody. Like That's very different saying. from some people nowadays and very different from the way that it was before. That yeah. being said, this might be a long episode just based on how much I have left. All right, let's go. No, I'm sorry. Officials at the time even emphasized that the girls caused more trouble than the boys because at some point there was, it was co-ed and there was also a boys school not far away. So I think they were comparing at this point, they were comparing the boys school to the girls school, yeah, um, but, but they said the boys tended to act out, but the girls tended to go into themselves, which I don't understand why the girls caused more trouble than the boys in that situation. Well, it's not, it's not just okay. that, like, uh, men innately have a, a preset privilege in life as they're born with a fucking penis. Like, well, they're not going to go into that in 1940, 1950. And they're treated differently than women. And of course, women are going to go into themselves because if they complain, they have learned that they're only going to be punished. It does nothing. Yeah. Well, it does nothing. It's a waste of time. 
Um, So again, from AbandonedAlabama.com, they said most of the girls, and this is a quote, they said, they said being the people, the officials, most quote, most of the girls have felt that dad has not loved her, has loved, but not admired her mother and has been cold to her or abused her. The girl gets the idea. It's no good to be a girl. And she begins to act out in masculine ways by drinking and smoking in excess and bragging about sexual exploits. The girls have not known fair and consistent discipline. They have failed in school and in wholesome social relationships. Their goal becomes get married as soon as you can, have as many children as I can, and try to put up with life. And this girl wonders why life doesn't offer her more, end quote. I mean, yeah, but also outside of like get married as fast as you can, all of that could have been me. I would have just been a miscreant, like. It would have been. Well, these are girls that are frustrated and they're seeing the issues and they have no power whatsoever to do anything about it because they're locked into a facility where they are given no power and they're just domineered over for no reason outside of the fact that they just want to be who they want to be. Yeah. You're determining these things are masculine traits only because you're literally saying that men can do this, but women cannot. And that's how it was back then. And as frustrating as it is, that is how it was back then. And I know there's a lot of people out there, whether they'll admit it or not, would like it to go back to that. But we're not doing that. So mm-hmm. let's keep moving forward. Burn me at the stake before that shit happens. Let's go. <sighs> In the 1950s and 60s, the facility was overcrowded. Surprise. And young girls would often spend days in the county jails until space was available in the facility where they were ordered to stay for their, quote, behavioral problems. At that time, there were no foster or community homes for the girls to stay in while the troubled girls, quote unquote, troubled girls waited to stay at the facility. According to Ann Rittenhouse on AL.com, 80 percent of the girls that were forced to stay at the institution, quote, committed no crimes, but are in danger of becoming institutionalized, of deteriorating and regressing, end quote. Those housed at the facility were offered a variety of services, including, quote, group counseling, social skills training, assertiveness training, drug and alcohol education, value clarification, sex education, yeah, right, Medical services, remediation of basic skills, math, reading, language arts, GED preparation, physical education, and campus service projects, end quote. In 2001, more than a dozen girls went public with the allegation, with allegations, which also included claims of physical abuse and consensual sex between teen girls and adult staff at the state training school for girls. Here's your time to bow out. Nope, this is not consensual. It's not. It's, it's never. Not, it's not consensual. And filed, it's not consensual if they're not a legal adult. Not sorry that I said that. Even if they are a legal adult and they're under the influence of other things, still not consensual. Still mm-hmm. rape. There yeah. is no other term. It is sex it's, or it is rape. If it is not rape, then it's sex. There are no in-betweens. If there is an imbalance of power, whether that be age or some type of And some of these girls were technically legally, yeah. legal adults. They were still forced to be there. If there's an imbalance of, of power in that relationship, it's. Which is why we have assault. lawsuits that yeah. are coming up. 
um, and filed multiple federal lawsuits against the state's Department of Youth Services. They allege that between January of 1993 and June 2001, they were sexually assaulted, strip-searched by male guards, beaten, capriciously tossed into solitary confinement, denied medical attention, pressured to have abortions, and threatened with retaliation if they complied, or if they complained. Some of the girls were interviewed by Amy Singer from Marie Claire magazine, with those interviews being published in June 2002. Here are a few select quotes. And this is all from, uh, this one is from AL.com, I believe. And then I have a few that were from a different website. Quote, take the case of Sandy Jones. Until recently, the nervous 19-year-old couldn't bear to even tell her mother about what had happened to her. After entering Chalkville five years ago for being expelled from school and running away from home, she says a guard came into her room one night with a proposition. He said if I had sex with him, I could get out of the facility early. The offer wasn't a complete shock. Sandy had already heard that Chalkville guards offered such bargains and that many students traded sexual favors for small pleasures, such as snacks or cigarettes. Desperate to visit her terminally ill grandmother, Sandy agreed to sleep with the guard. I had sex with him, she says, but I didn't want to. She immediately regretted it. When the guard began to return to her room regularly, she refused his advances, but her roommate did not. At night, Sandy tried to sleep while they had sex in the bed next to hers. During the day, the guard punished her for rejecting him, piling on the work and extra exercises. Sandy endured this treatment along with propositions from other male staffers throughout her 10-month stay. She says she and others repeatedly reported the situation to the superintendent, quote, but he didn't believe us. There was nothing more we could do, end quote. Amanda Twitty, another former inmate, said that she, quote, entered the facility at 17 for multiple probation violations. But she says that she got there, that before she got there, she had been diagnosed with cervical cancer and that the staff refused to let her keep a previously scheduled doctor's appointment. She says her subsequent requests for medical attention were ignored, as were her complaints about abdominal pain during daily physical training. The exercises made my stomach hurt even more, she says. I'd be doubled over in pain. It felt like I had my period 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amanda says alerting the staff to her pain often resulted in punishment. The guards would call me a crybaby and tell me to get up, she says. If I said anything, they'd make me do even more push-ups. These are just a couple of the stories involving the abuse at the state training girl, state training school for girls. Why would you even let your daughter go into that if she had cervical cancer? Like, that's what a good fuck? question. Some of these, they it, well, hers was for a violation of probation, so somebody reported something, and then she ended up going in front of a judge, and the judge said that she had to go to the school. Yeah, but still, that's a fault on the state and her parents. Hundred percent, unnecessary and absolutely cruel. Cruel and unusual punishment to the nth degree. Yeah, all of it. After the allegations were made public, the state suspended 11 of its 15 staff members and hired a new administrator. Throughout the years, more lawsuits were filed in different courts throughout the state, increasing the number of plaintiffs, which also happened in the Jemison Center slash slash Bryson medical whatever uh, that I go over in the asylum episode as well. Well, I don't think this one was included in that. This was a completely separate thing specifically for schools um, that were like this. Mm -hmm. 
The lawsuits were combined for settlement purposes. It wasn't until February of 2002 that the federal lawsuit was settled with a $12.5 million payout to the plaintiffs. Now, I will say, I'm pretty sure that the settlement for the Bryson and all that other was right around the same time. So all of these, I'm pretty sure it was pretty close to that same time period. So this was all being done at the same time where people were like, oh, well, golly bee, we had no idea this kind of stuff was going on in these state-run facilities. We'll we'll start paying attention now. Here's some money. Sure. Sure you will. All right. So a couple of different, a couple of other um, firsthand accounts from a different website. It was Mary Allen, maryellenmark.com. Sitting stiffly in a friend's apartment in which she'd She's temporarily living. 19-year-old Tamara Franklin frowns when she hears the name Chalkville. Sent there at 16 for truancy, drinking, and drug use, she was halfway through her seven-month sentence when she became friendly with Peter Azame, a 41-year-old shift supervisor. Azame would stand in the doorway of Tamara's single room, gently asking her about her family and problems. Three years before, her mother had left Tamara and eight other children in the care of her father, who could not handle the responsibility. Tamara craved the attention Azame lavished upon her. He was nice, she says simply. The people at Chalkville treat you like you're nothing just because you're locked up, but he treated me differently. He was grooming her. (laughs) One night after lights out, Azame entered Tamara's room. They talked quietly for a while, and when Azame leaned in to kiss her, Tamara didn't protest. When he asked her to go further, she agreed. At the time, I wanted to do it, she says. We were just friends, and then we started being something else. Tamara hid the illicit romance from the other girls. It felt really weird, she admits. It was something I had no business doing, but it gave me a little rush. The initial thrill gave way to strong emotions, and Tamara continued seeing Azame even after leaving Chalkville three months later. I really thought I was in love with him, she says bitterly. Tamara's opinion changed when she heard that Azame had also seduced other girls in Chalkville. Surprise. I honestly believed I was the only one he was with, she says. He messed with my mind bad. Now he just makes me sick. Azame maintains that he and Tamara didn't start a relationship until after she left Chalkville, left Chalkville, of course. Tamara broke up with the guard last February, only to discover a few weeks, weeks later that she was pregnant. She's suing Chalkville and suing Azame for paternity. It's a sorry program, she says at the facility. They need to hire people qualified to work with young girls, not people who act as young as the girls themselves. Well, it's not just that. These men are going in there knowing that they have an no, open... Praying. They're yeah. preying on these children. Let's yeah. let's be honest. They're preying on these children. They know that. And it probably started out with just like one dude who got away with it. And that one dude told another dude who was also a predator because, uh, I mean, it was rampant. Birds and, of a feather. Yeah. Flocked together. And so they all ended up working there because it was just, a, it, it was pick whoever you wanted. Whoever yeah, came in that caught your fancy. You had a power you get over them. Dibs. Yeah. And then I'm sure they shared. Let's be yeah. honest. But again, you know, be be afraid of uh, drag queens. Um, yeah. Anyway. By all means. Uh, later on in the article, there's another um, young lady, Alana Williams, 17, laughs bitterly as she recalls the friendly front the Chalkville staff put on. 
They were not my friends, she said sarcastically, more like my enemies. I begged, please don't send me back there. Alana was sent to the facility at 13 to serve a four and a half month stint for repeated truancy. For truancy, by the way. A lot of these girls, truancy. Do you know what truancy is? Truancy is when you don't go to school. You miss too many days and your parents can't get you to go to school. So these girls missed days at school enough so that they got truancy and got sent to this school where they continuously got raped and assaulted physically, mentally, emotionally on a regular basis until they finally were able to get out. And then they were on probation. So if they slipped up even just a little, they got sent right back to continue to deal with this. Yeah. And there's normally when it comes to to this into perspective, what truancy is, you missed school. That was that's it. And that's fucking terrible. But at the end of the day, when a kid's not going to school, there's a reason behind it. And it ha- it normally has nothing to do with them being the cause of it. It normally has to do with bullying or even if it to does, learn. Or- what's the point? Just why are we making them go to school? Let's be perfectly honest. If they're going to refuse to go to school and that's what they want to do and they're old enough that we can't force them to do it, why are we forcing them? Yeah, true that. I mean, if they don't want to do it, fine. Okay, well, you can't. I mean, you're in the state of Alabama, you're not allowed to have a driver's license until you're of legal age, which is 19 in the state of Alabama. So you're already punished by not being able to drive, which means you cannot get a job, which means you cannot support yourself until you are 19 years old, unless you file to be able to be a legal adult. Okay, fine. So we're making this extremely difficult on you. If you choose... To not go to school and your parents say, okay, fine, don't go to school and ruin your life. 13, I think is a little young, but you know, 16, okay, fine. So don't, you're ruining your life. I'm making it very clear you're ruining your life. I'm doing the best I can to get you to go to school. Sending them here isn't going to fix that. No, it's not. Sending them to boot camp's not going to fix that. Like, there is no way that you can fix that person. But not not allowing them to get a driver's license, too, is also holding them back and causing this entire, like, gap of, that's four can, five well, so years. In, in state of Alabama, they can either have a GED and get their driver's license early. They can file for, um, what's the, emancipation. If they're emancipated, I think they, they can actually file for a driver's license early. Um, but if they do not show that they are currently going to school, of some kind, they can't get a driver's license until they're 19. But all of that at the end of the day, it costs money. And typically people who are in that situation don't have any money. Like, how are you going to file for emancipation? How are you going to, how are you going to go into, because it's not free to go and take your GED. Uh, I know. Uh, It's not free to take those classes either. It's not free. Uh, You have to pay money for that. And how are you, Especially in situations like that where kids aren't going to school, typically it's kids who don't have the means or the money to survive in a school setting. How is this fair? You're just, you're creating an environment that is going to perpetuate poverty. I feel like the whole school system, to be perfectly honest, is antiquated and outdated. If they are, I I don't feel like it really serves the greater population and it's kind of getting to the point where it's proving to be exactly that. I think there should be options outside of just going to school and getting a quote education deemed necessary by whoever 50 years ago. 
Well, yeah. Because that education doesn't serve every single person. It doesn't serve all of the jobs that are out there that need to be filled. So I do think that there should be other options for children, especially for them to be able to actually find out if that's what they want to do or not. Yeah. And you don't even freaking teach them how to balance a checkbook or even check their accounts to make sure that they actually have the money before they spend it. Let's teach kids something that they actually need to use. Yeah, something that you can use in how to file your taxes. Um, I need a class in that. No shit. But at the end of the day, I think it's important. I think it's important for kids to go to school and get an education. Um, But the problem is, is like our school system isn't an environment in the United States. Our school system isn't an environment that breeds acceptability or like blossoming of education and like knowledge or promote different ways of learning and that's not a fault on Uh, school teachers per albert einstein if you judge a fish by its ability to fly or vice versa it will always feel like it's stupid yeah there's a reason why he said that because he always felt stupid because he did terrible in school until he got to a school that actually promoted education in the way that spoke to him yeah exactly i mean same same thing for me um didn't didn't do well in school well i did i did decently well I did really well on testing. I did terrible on like homework and things because it was boring to me. Why the fuck would I do it if it's boring? And, but that has lended into a very great career for myself and I managed to make it through. But at the end of the day, our school system fucking sucks because it's not paying the teachers enough or allowing them enough time or freedom to be able to cultivate an environment that is beneficial to teaching children and especially different generations of children that are coming up. They learn differently. Technology has made it an entirely, entirely like different playing ground for how well, we educate also people. stunting our growth in general. So we're so antiquated in the way that we teach and in the things that we teach. We're so far behind in the things that we should be teaching. By the time you graduate with your undergrad in technology, you're already four years behind because all of the things that have been going on while you were in school, you didn't get taught at all. And it's growing in such leaps and bounds so quickly that the school systems couldn't keep up if they tried. But at the same time, they're not trying. So We're so far behind in all of the different ways. And people wonder why we're not making leaps and bounds in progress like we were before. Because we're not progressing. We're not growing. We're not trying to learn and do things in a better and and more forward momentum way. We're only looking back and saying it worked for us back in 1940, 1950. Why are you complaining? Because we're in 2023. And what worked in 1940 and 1950 doesn't work anymore. Yes, but you're still trying to teach me like it does. No, but sure. Let's go ahead and ban books and roll back how we can educate people. Sure, 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 sure. sure. So going okay. back to Miss Alana. Um, so she was sent to the facility at 13 for the truancy for four and a half months. She spent her first day there being called a cocky little heifer and a badass by the staff. Uh, at 13, by the way. What's Alana. Alana eventually snapped at a staff member and so she spent her first night in Chalkville in solitary confinement as the door slammed behind her she says three guards two men and one woman began shouting at her through the tiny plexiglass window they said she was on suicide watch and demanded she turn over any clothing she might use to hang herself 
They told me to take off my pants, bra, and underwear, Alana says, her voice dropping to a whisper. They said, do it or we'll take them from you. Clad only in a t-shirt, the 13-year-old spent the night on the cold, bare floor. Although she repeatedly asked to use the bathroom, the guards refused. Desperate, she urinated in the garbage can and was later cited for vandalism. Alana struggled through her stint at Chalkville and was relieved to return home to her mother, Wanda. But after violating her probation in 2000, Alana was ordered back. She became agitated, volunteering to spend nine years under house arrest instead. I begged the judge, please don't send me back there, she says. Suspicious, Wanda confronted Alana, who revealed everything. Wanda was outraged. She felt she had been misled by the court system that had sent Alana away. They told me they'd get her help, says Wanda, that Chalkville wasn't like a criminal facility. But it was too late. Alana was sent back to Chalkville, and for seven months, Wanda Williams complained to facility administrators about Alana's treatment or mistreatment. The superintendent told me I was being a hysterical mother, she says. Undeterred, Wanda badgered state officials. These girls are not Snow Whites, she acknowledges, but they're children. The staff should have known better. Last May, as Wanda, and this is, this is a few years old. Last May, as Wanda's one, mo- one mother crusade made its way to the governor's office, family court judge Jack Hughes learned that a Chalkville student had become pregnant by a staff member. The judge sent investigators to interview four girls he had previously placed in the facility. Each one reported conditions that seemed right out of the pages of Charles Dickens. All of their statements were basically the same, Judge Hughes says today. We were shocked. The judge removed the four girls from the facility and the state opened an investigation. Within a month, 15 Chalkville employees were suspended, including past Peter Azame, the person I had mentioned earlier. In the weeks that followed, 15 more teenagers were removed from the facility by other judges. And Amnesty International pressured Alabama Governor Don Siegelman to implement measures to minimize the possibility of future abuses. Nope. Including employing a majority of female guards in the facility, which, by the way, does not that doesn't work. change anything. That doesn't change anything. There's this environment that's been breeded of, like, power over these children. It's it's already set in stone. There's processes that are already in place that are just going to be taught to these new female uh, guards. What happened to the superintendent? The superintendent knew what was going on. Were they fired? Were they replaced? What well, happened with them? Because they're talking about staff members, but they didn't specifically state that person who was over everybody. And was aware. He had been exactly. told multiple times what was happening. She. She. I think it was a she at the time. Okay. Well, thanks, bitch. But my thing is like, okay, this judge went in, he interviewed these three girls, and then he four. pulled four, and then he pulled them out of the facility they're not the only ones. It doesn't stop there. How do you pull? And they did pull 15 other ones. Okay. There's still more. So they're taking, they're taking. Shut, strides. shut it down. We're getting there. <laughs> As the scandal broke, Wanda Williams finally saw a chance for justice. I hired lawyers to bring attention to the situation. She says, I wanted to shut the place down. Four mother daughter pairs joined the Williams lawsuit, which is merged with two other suits and now has 40 plaintiffs. Now this is the lawsuit that was settled in 2002, I believe. Lawyers have asked for $171 million in damages, hoping the large sum will expose conditions at Chalkville and other juvenile facilities in which girls are abused, seduced, and hardened even further. This just needs to stop. 
stop, said Ron Morrow, the Williams attorney. Now, this is where the Jemison case that I mentioned in the asylum episode comes into play, too. They did the same thing. They got more and more plaintiffs. They asked for more and more money. And the reason why these cases, which people love on the on the um, capitalism side, they love to say, oh, these are frivolous lawsuits. Listen to how much money they're asking for. They're asking for that to make a point because they have to hit the place where it hurts, which is their bottom line, because that's the only thing that makes an impact. So they're asking for $171 million. They don't think they're going to get that, but it's to get the attention of the people that are running these places. You can either settle and start doing better, or we're going to take you to court. And it's possible that we might actually get awarded this. So you have a choice. Make changes. Yeah. To enact change, you need to hit capitalism where it hurts the most. And that's biggest dollar sign. Yeah. So exactly. uh, Suck my anti-capitalist dick. Some changes have already been made at Chockville. So again, this was before it was shut down. A new administrator is in charge and 11 of the 15 staff members were suspended, including Azame. Um, and they were also ended up being dismissed. Four staff members were cleared. Azame is appealing his termination, but I believe it was just like done. He was he was gone. It was obvious. We're taking steps to get to a position where it won't ever occur again. Uh a spokesman said. Wanda Williams hopes so. This is a state-run facility. Our daughters were supposed to be safe here. All right. So that was as of basically the end of that lawsuit. Now let's talk about kind of a little bit more information. More recent. There were only 18 girls still in attendance by January 23rd, 2012. Thanks in large part to Alabama's juvenile justice reform efforts. Yeah, you heard it right. It took until 2012. That lawsuit was settled in 2002. Ten years. That morning, an EF3 tornado with winds of 150 miles per hour came through the area and damaged eight buildings beyond repair. The cafeteria, school, and gym were basically leveled. Somehow, the dormitory where the girls were housed and the remaining staff were on duty was the least damaged building of all of them, and not a single person was hurt. So I think what you're telling me right now is Mother Nature is the biggest feminist of us all. (laughs) So those of us who believe in karma or God's (laughs) justice at all can all agree that it seems a supernatural justice that the campus would be so heavily damaged in all of the areas except for where the, let's be honest, innocent children were housed. Yeah. Uh, It was hurt. But enough buildings were damaged. That it ended up having to be shut down officially. Wait, 2012? Was that the... That's the tornadoes. That was the year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. No, that was 2001. No, you're... No, you're... You might be thinking of a, of a different one. 2012 was... Um, it was after you had moved. Yeah. That's what you're thinking about. Yeah. I was thinking about the... No, 2012 uh, was when I remember quite well, but... You, you weren't there for the Tuscaloosa, like flattening. I actually managed to be home that day. Yeah, you were on you were on PTO. That was the first week I was there, and I was in the. Uh, that was two thousand nine. No, no, no. That was two thousand ten. Oh no! Yeah, two thousand ten. That's right. It was that's no. It was two thousand. It was two thousand eleven because I turned twenty one that year. Okay, yeah, yeah. it was April. Yeah, it was April, and I was in this. There was this. It was a little drive-through building that was on the corner outside of the. I was at Green Springs at this point. 
I remember quite quite clearly. I think we had straight yeah. yeah, we had straight line winds that did a lot of damage to our house where we were. But yeah. the, it, there were like three tornadoes maybe at this point. But anyway, I mean, it's yeah, that day was fucking talk about some when you were karma. the year before when you weren't there, there were what 200 tornadoes that day and if it, it was my first was week ridiculous. there and uh i've never been that lucky to actually be home when yeah stuff like i know that and they were like you can't leave you can't leave you can't leave and then all of a sudden they're like okay you can leave it was it was like early in the day or something like like 2 2 p.m and as soon as they said you could leave uh the branch manager our our branch manager, fearless leader uh fearless leader came out there and was like actually you're on lockdown you got to stay out here and then he walked back in the branch. As we can see tornadoes tearing through Birmingham from this giant drive through window. But okay, sir. Okay, bye. What the fuck? It was just, it was bananas. Yeah. I was like, this place is the wild, wild west. But okay. <laughs> Basically. But pretty much there's a bunch of tornadoes that hit uh, Alabama and it's probably Mother Nature saying, go fuck yourself. Um, yeah, very likely. Yeah. In this case, it was definitely for saying to her. Let's do it. So since then, the school was officially shut down and the campus was abandoned. While there were briefly some plans to repair parts to be used later by another state agency or governmental entity, it was never actually reused. It's fallen into ruin over the course of the years, filled with graffiti, and eventually everything has been completely smashed beyond use or repair. There have been talks from time to time about demolishing all the buildings, but as of now, nothing's been done. It's beyond eerie to look at the pictures, some of which have been taken within the last couple of years. You can still find pamphlets about pregnancy and women's health, what little they knew, I'm sure, thrown around what must have been the clinic at one time. In the dorms, you can easily see the latches where the doors were shut and locked from the outside. The lights overhead are all covered in bars to prevent the women... To prevent the girls, because they weren't women, girls from breaking the glass and possibly cutting themselves. The windows, those of rooms, of course, that were lucky enough to have any, are covered with bars to prevent escape. There's an upper room where the clothing must have been kept, showing the different sizes available, including bra sizes, as well as some boys and men's sizes, which were from a brief time when the, ser- the school actually served as a co-ed institution. It didn't last long. A co- according to AL.com, A new facility opened in 2015 to meet court mandates. The population that was previously enrolled at Chalkville is now placed at the J. Walter Wood Jr. Treatment Facility in Mount Meigs, Rogers said. The facility has been built using the insurance proceeds from the damaged campus and is operated by rite of passage. The facility is named in honor of Walter Wood, the longest-serving state juvenile corrections executive in the United States when he retired in 2014, and is designed to incorporate his philosophy of rehabilitation, according to the DYS website. It says the facility design is intended to be more conducive to treatment and rehabilitation, which is the philosophy embraced and championed by J. Walter Wood, Jr., the facility is comprised of six of a 16,000-square-foot dorm and an 11,000-square-foot education building with offices and classrooms. The facility includes smart boards for the classrooms, a library, recreational areas, and an enclosed courtyard, and a safe area for severe weather events. Obviously, because, you know, what happened last time? She ain't coming for us again. Yeah. Um, I just want to take a moment and mention... 
keep in mind that this property is abandoned and deemed unsafe. While you have to park in front of a gate and walk quite a long distance to get to it, there aren't any kind of no trespassing or private property signs discouraging people from entering. This, plus the complete lack of securing the property by the state, has caused the state that the buildings are currently in. By no means am I indicating that the people who did the damage are not responsible. Obviously, they are. I just mean that there's a complete lack of security for this property, as in none. There's not any deterrent whatsoever to enter this property. It's deemed very unsafe since the tornado. There has been no work done whatsoever to hold these buildings up. So they could easily fall at any moment and you could easily be injured. Yeah. Yeah, You could easily be injured if you try to explore any of these buildings. And unfortunately you would also be very difficult to access should you need medical attention. There's not any place for a helicopter to land and there's no way for cars to enter this property. So if you were to need medical attention, it would take a long time for them to get to you. So do not visit this property for your own safety. We will post plenty of pictures of the site for you to see what it looks like currently as well as what it looked like many, many years ago. I, I can I can cut this, but uh, is there anyone we know who has been there? Yes, and I'm not mentioning any names. <laughs> <laughs> Quick mention here from the article on MaryEllenMark.com. The appalling conditions a Chalkville at Chalkville mirror the treatment of females in detention centers nationwide. A 2001 report by Amnesty International found rampant sexual abuse and misconduct against the 148,200 women and girls incarcerated in the U.S. The fact that 70% of guards in federal women's institutions are male only compounds the problem. The situation has the potential to get worse as many girls enter the juvenile justice system. According to joint report by the American Bar Association and the National Bar Association, delinquency cases involving girls soared 83% between 1988 and 1997. In 1999, 670,800 under the age of 18 were arrested in the U.S. in one year. Under the age of 18, 670,800. Francine Sherman, director of the Juvenile Rights Advocacy Project at Boston College Law School, says teenage girls are particularly vulnerable to mistreatment. They come into the system already traumatized, she says, pointing out that a staggering 70% of jailed young women have suffered some form of childhood abuse. Usually lacking good role models, these girls find that getting friendly with the guard helps fulfill their need for human connection. It's a feature of female adolescent development that they are looking for a relationship, she says. And it's the responsibility of those in control to make sure that they're not exploited. Currently, 47 states have laws prohibiting contact between people in custody and guardians. In some cases, but not all, these laws include juvenile detention facilities. Alabama, Vermont, and Oregon are the three that don't. Yet even with such laws in place, mistreatment continues, says Brenda Smith, a professor at University Washington College of Law in Washington, D.C. Perhaps because the victims are unsympathetic in the eyes of the law-abiding public, enforcement of these laws, she laments, is lethargic at best. So here's where we talk about what you can do. And there are three things that were listed on this website. 
Right members of the Alabama legislature urging them to pass and enforce a law prohibiting sexual contact between women and their jailers. For addresses, log on to www.legislator.state.al.us. To find out how to help improve conditions for girls in the criminal justice system, contact, contact the Girls Justice Initiative at 617-552-2530. All this information will be on the show notes, by the way. And for updates on the treatment of women in custody or to donate money, contact Amnesty International. And that's at www.amnestyusa.org. That's abhorrent. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Like, and then they just open another facility. Like, Mm -hmm. here you go. Like, not. It's better. better. Is it? Apparently. Magic. Uh, Sure. We build another facility automatically. It's better. But we, we put electronic stuff like smart boards. It's okay. Better. Fine. You have all electronic stuff, but at the end of the day, you're still like institutionalizing these kids at a young age. There are different ways of dealing with this. And again, I don't have children and I don't know the best way to do it, but I can imagine picking them up out of their family's home and placing them in a facility that is run like a prison maybe a high-end prison, it's still not going to be the best thing for them. We're talking about kids who obviously have issues. They need therapy. They probably need a different environment than the school that they're going to, or they need a different home environment. And that's that's where social work needs to come in to play more than institutions that are going to be funded by the government and basically going to feed into capitalism in some way or another. Like, it's just, no, this is not working. It hasn't worked for 100 years, 200 years, and it's not going to continue to work. Maybe change up how you're dealing with things. Ugh, it just pisses me off. Ugh. I mean, I knew this one would, but I also felt like it's it needed to be talked about. Because, I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people look at us true crime podcast it's all going to be about serial killers and and guys that kill a bunch of people and black widows and yes that is some of what we talk about but this is a real issue and this is true crime this is literally criminal activity currently happening and has happened in the past so this is still correct in the vein of what this podcast is about and while you're like you're you're very much into the unsolved and the missing. This is the kind of thing that draws me in. It's these stories of these women who were girls when this stuff happened. They were children and their childhood was ripped from them for no reason. Yeah, well, it's at all. It's an injustice. Or excuses. That's it. They yeah. were given excuses to allow them to be put into a facility where men could take it men and women let's be honest i'm sure there were some women that did it too could prey on them took took the advantage that they had and preyed on these children yeah because that's what they were it's and but because they were bad it was okay no no they're still children and you're still disgusting yeah and missing school a few times is not being bad like Holy I don't fuck. care if you miss an entire half a year of school. That's not justification for this type of treatment. Yeah. I don't care if you sit in your principal's office and light up a doobie. You're not a bad, like, no, none of this is excuse for putting kids in basically a prison where they're going to be abused sexually, emotionally, 
physically. Like none of that is excusable. And I am, it's abhorrent. And it's apparently. There were firsthand accounts that I read that made me tear up. There were women that commented on different posts that said, I appreciated the time at Chalkville because it was better than being home. Yeah. That's that's telling. That's telling and not in a good way. So if this is a reprieve from your normal life, we have all, as a general public, failed these children. Period. Truly, we have. And again, we should invest more money into social work and... Less into the paychecks and pockets of the people in Congress that currently can't figure out how to balance a budget. Yeah, exactly. And more into the pockets. We're going to take that money from Social Security. All right. So, yeah, it's just the only way that we make change is to talk about what's wrong. And this is very much a very good example of something that's wrong. Yeah. And things like this are, are still going on. Like I said at the at the top of the episode, Paris Hilton has made it a fucking campaign of her life. And if Paris Hilton can create advocacy work around changing institutionalization of children. If Paris Hilton had to deal with it, considering the amount of money that she has or is entitled to. Yeah. It's obviously a problem. It's obviously a problem. But it's even more of a problem for, like, you know, people without as much wealth and things like that well, so obviously that's it's just point. yeah no it's just like if it's a problem for her it's, it's a problem it, for everybody and what i'm saying is even money doesn't make you exempt so maybe no. think about that when it comes to your own daughters or your own nieces and and other children that you know like we are our job as adults is supposed to be leaving a better world for the next generation than the one that we got. And so far we're doing a shit job of it. So step up and do better. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And we're not preaching to anybody who's listening to this because obviously you're listening to it and you probably agree with us because I've already shit on like four states uh, in this podcast in the past like six weeks. So if you're still here. Hey, dude, I'm speaking to even myself. <laughs> I'm just saying just in general, we all just need to do better. But it's things, yeah, it's things we need to think about because at the end of the day, I know everybody's like, oh, I have my job and I have my own responsibilities and things like that. But literally every single day of my entire life, I think about different ways that I can improve society around me. And lit- Samantha's aware of this. I will look into something and it will frustrate me so much. And I will cry about it. And I, I can't, like, get over my feels enough to talk about it. Like, it's that bad. Uh, but see um, a previous episode that will, will see not a preview, be named. Yeah, that episode was very difficult. But I feel like we need to get our heads out of our asses and think about ways to change things positively. And especially now. Things are really rough right now. And so things like this institution for girls can be overlooked, but it's happening. Children are being abused and they're not being abused by drag queens. They're being abused by people in power who are signed by our government. So. Who are hired and paid by our government. So remember that in the future. Anyways, great job. Uh, This was terrible. I'm going to. (laughs) 
it was it was very you can't see my face right now but that was very combative commenting thank you we're we're on like hour six of recording episode yeah, today i am fucking done dude i did research for three of these today and yesterday so my brain i know fried. but uh, i i've wanted to cover this case for like six eight months so it's just I'm so horrible oh, yeah God. it was just i had to get myself in the right place and yeah. now I'm going to go take a bubble bath. <laughs> Me too. We both earned it today. Oh, oh my goodness. gosh. All right. So thank you, dear listeners. If you're still here and you're still listening, thank you for listening throughout the whole um, episode. I know it was rough and I really do appreciate it. And if there is anything that you feel like you want to do for f- to help with this, we will give links to different things that you can look at to try to donate to different areas or even write your legislator to try to get some change made yeah we'll we'll be sure to put that in the show notes and then whenever we do our social media posts we'll include how to write your local legislator and the links to anything that you can do to advocate for change in those correct i'm not in charge of social media so (laughs) like you're volunteering me for i'm looking at Samantha. i'm like we're gonna gonna do that right (laughs) i can handle that i can handle okay all right um on a different note, you can find us on the social medias on Facebook and Instagram since you kind of segued into that at uh, Reaper Tales Podcasts. And uh, you can also email us at, at reapergals at com. You can email me to tell me to stop talking shit about your state. I'm looking at you, <laughs> West Virginia, Florida, uh, Florida, <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> Of course. Who else did I say? I said Tennessee earlier today. I think you that episode's going to come out. I, I think after that was going to come out after this. One. Be ready, Tennessee. Be ready, <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! One of these days, I'll I'll stop. Uh, no, you won't. Be sure to like, rate, rate review, review, subscribe. All uh-huh. the things. Yeah, on the platforms. Uh, kudos to you if you can write a written review, um, a positive written review. Uh, but ideally. If Ideally, do, if you do a negative one, I'm just going to print it out and frame it and put it right next to the other ones. So, uh, other one, <laughs> other one, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. So, look, dude, I'm going to give you a little bit work, small, small piece of wisdom. You don't like something, you can scroll on and move on true. without yeah. saying something. It's a, it's a novel idea, I know, but it is a possibility. Samantha, so. at the end of the day. We're just a bunch of women clucking at each other on microphones. <laughs> I cluck on, I cluck at you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, men. Anyways, <sighs> uh, until next time, we love you. We mean it. Okay, bye. The Reaper.